please uh, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Matthew 6 this morning, and for a while, but for this morning. Verse 5, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Because of what Jesus has done, it's Father's Day every day. Amen? Isn't that great? Right? We get to call him Abba Father. We've been adopted into his family. It's Father's Day every, every, every single day. We're accepted into his presence. And he likes when we're in his presence. Amen? You know how sometimes your kids, they kind of bug you? And, uh... Me and Steph, every once in a while, we just say to the kids, get out of here, you know, like, go do something, right? The Lord loves for us to be in his presence. It's Father's Day. Every single day. Jesus gave this, this uh, passage of scripture as a model, as a pattern of, of praying. Because we need to understand some principles before we pray. Have them kind of keen in our mind and in our heart. Um, it's amazing that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer in the middle of a lesson about praying with meaning. And yet the prayer he gave us becomes the most common, most frequently repeated, wrote prayer in human history. Isn't it true? And how, how, how many of you grew up with the, the sense that to overcome, uh, to for penance sake and for punishment sake, you were told to recite the Lord's Prayer 30 times, or maybe a Hail Mary 10 times. Um, and after a while, the very, the very thing that Jesus wanted was that this prayer would bring meaning and, um, and an understanding of who God is, His kingdom, His will, and what He wants to give for you, how he wants to lead you, how he wants to be a great part part of your life and intimacy and a fellowship with with God becomes this charm that we that we recite to get out of trouble, uh, like a rabbit's foot or something. We're going to take eight eight weeks and look into the Lord's prayer 
and glean out of it some engaging truths about who God is and how we can approach him and how we can seek his kingdom and how he loves to answer prayer. And he loves for us to have a conversation with him, not just talk to him, but have a conversation with him. And uh, so this is a this is going to be a great series called Pray Like This. And uh, Jesus has instructed us not as a rote uh, thing that we kind of just repeat, but as a principle, as a model of our heart's desire of giving our heart to the Lord so that he can renew it and show us uh, his delight and his desires for our heart, for our life. Is there, Chad, is there a ringing? Is that my pacemaker or is that, no? Okay. Um, there's a great desire in every human heart to be accepted by your earthly father. Isn't that true? We, uh, we have this innate sense that we want to be accepted. We want to be approved by our father. We want to show off for him. We want to we want to please him. We want to we want to stand in favor of him and, and have him be proud of us and have him uh, just speak about us and and long, long be with us. But how many of you know that that's not the case with earthly fathers, right? Even if your father was a great, great father, he had his sin and he had his shortcomings and your expectations of his his uh, dealings in your life have fallen short. And sometimes we we look at our earthly father and we try to say, man, if this is what God is all about, forget about it. I'm, I'm totally out of here, right? But let's switch it, okay? Our model and our desire is to know our heavenly father. He's the model, right? He's the one that we should look to, to find our our relationship and our meaning and our purpose and everything that we find dear is wrapped up in our Father who is in heaven. Often we were let down by the lack of love or desire, the outright neglect and disregard of promises made and promises broken. Why is this? Because we were created in the image and likeness of God. We were created to be loved by God, to know God, to have fellowship with God, to feel his favor, his pleasure, his provision, his purposes in our hearts and in our lives. We were created to know him and to love him intimately and deeply. The first aspect of engaging prayer for us is that God desires us to have an intimate relationship with him. Intimate. A love relationship. Sin brought separation. Sin brought the feeling of abandonment and estrangement, alienation from God, which created in us a hostility and an enmity toward God, where we raised our fist in God and said, oh, yeah, you don't like us? You don't, you don't want to be around us? Well, we're going to give it to you, right? Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit got, to, got together early on before all this happened and said, we're going to take care of this problem. We're going to bring mankind back into relationship with us. But Jesus, you're going to go. And Jesus said, I'll go. What I like about Jesus in, uh, in John is that Philip asked Jesus, hey, show us the Father. Show us the Father. 
And Jesus said, Maron, how long have I been with you? And you have not seen the Father. The Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you're having problems with God the Father as being good, as being gracious, as being glorious, as being great today, look at the heart of Jesus. Jesus came to display the Father's heart. When you look at Jesus, you see the Father's heart. God tells us to look at Jesus. Jesus does his work and goes to heaven. And then he says, now listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to move in your life, but keep your focus on Jesus. And Jesus says, I did the work, but let's give all praise and glory to the Father. And then the Father says, whoa, it's all about Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit says, whoa, whoa, hey, let's give praise to, to Jesus. Jesus says, let's give praise to God. This roundabout glory and praise that fills the heaven and fills our heart for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Awesome. God reveals himself in the Bible as a gentle, loving, forgiving father, intimately involved with each other in every detail of our lives. It's a beautiful picture, and it's a true one. How do you feel about God today? Every person has a different idea of what God is because they unconsciously tend to attach the feelings and impressions that they have of their own earthly father to their concept of their heavenly father. And it's hard to get around. It's hard to get over. Each person's experience with human authority is usually transferred only to how they relate to God. Good experiences bring us closer, knowing and understanding God. Bad experiences kind of tend us to keep uh, afar off. The truth is, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 is often called the parable of the father's heart. It tells it in response to the, uh, the heartless religionists of the day. Amen? Jesus tells of a man with two sons. One of them asked, Hey, Dad, screw you. I want the inheritance right now, and I'm out of here. And his father says, That's okay, son. I'll give it to you, and here you go. And the son went, found himself later on in his life in a pigsty, in a pig pen, eating the very things that the pigs eat. And the Bible says here, But when he was still a great, the Bible says that, he came to his senses and realized, wait a minute, I had everything in my father's house. Everything. Let me go back and maybe my father will take me as a servant or take me as a slave. Maybe I can start, start at the lowest and work my way back up into his care and into his uh, love. But here it says in Luke chapter 15, 20 to 24, but when he was still a great way off, Coming back to his father, his father saw him and had compassion. Jesus is telling this story now to characterize our heavenly father's love. Listen to this. His father saw him and had compassion and ran to him. Kind of like 
when you see two people running together in, in the grain field, just run in slow motion to get to his son. He ran with compassion. The Bible says that he fell on his neck. And he loved him. And he kissed him. Whenever I try kissing my son, Zachy, he always pushes me away. But I'm stronger than him. And I grab his neck. And I kiss him. Like this. This is our Heavenly Father. He runs after you. He runs towards you. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what kind of circumstance or situation you're in now. Your Heavenly Father is running to you to grab you by the neck. And if possibly by force, if he has to, kiss you and hug you and hold you today. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Doesn't sin stink? It brings shame and it brings guilt. And it causes us to think of us outside of the desires and the passions and purposes of God. And it really, really rots. And that's why the Bible says don't mess with sin because it separates you. Get you away from seeing what God has for your life. Living the great adventure. Recklessly abandoning your life to God with everything that you are and everything that you had. The son felt unworthy to be called the son of his father. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Whatever you think of merry, that's what they did. They were merry. They were joyful. They had a celebration. They threw a party. They got the disco ball out. And they were dancing, man. They were just having a great time. They were having a wonderful time in celebration. That the son that was lost is now found. The son that was dead is now alive. Zephaniah says to us that the Lord dances over us. Rejoices over us with singing. Do you hear his, his song in your heart today? Do you hear his stirring? His love song that he sings to you? That he serenades to you? He comes to the heart, to the, to the window of your heart. He, said, he doesn't have a sombrero on or anything, but he just serenades you, okay? He just loves on you, and he sings great songs of love because he loves you. In the story of a father's heart toward his son, Jesus tells us how Father God feels about you and me in spite of our failures, in spite of our wastefulness, in spite of our sin. In spite, of this, in spite of our pig pens, in spite of everything that we have lost and the regrets that we are living in right now, He loves us. The story is born from the fact that among the religious people of Jesus' day, whom you would most think would understand the love of God, there was the least evidence of that love. 
And Jesus came to show them that God's love and people liked him. People love Jesus. Amen? They like to be around him. But you know, according to the religious leaders, they were the wrong people. They were gluttons. They were drunkards. They were tax collectors. They were prostitutes. And they were sinners. Sinners in that day meant that those who had no clue about what it meant to be religious and did all the wrong things based on their behavior. They were sinners. How many sinners are in the house today? Get out! No, I'm just kidding. We're sinners saved by grace, aren't we? We're sinners saved by grace. Jesus goes against the religious leaders. He goes against them. He really digs into them hard. And he knew exactly how to turn the knife in their conscience and how to prick them to such a point that they wanted to kill them because they would not repent of their self-righteousness and of their religiosity and of everything that kept them above the people, lording over the people. It's significant that the people who really needed Jesus, who wanted to hear the gospel, turned their heart away from him and killed him. It's hard to minister to people that hate you. Isn't it true? Don't make people hate you. Keep relationships open, right? Why prove a point if you're going to wreck a relationship? Why throw a verse at somebody when you know it's going to push their button and then they'll never talk to you again? Why? Why do we do that, right? See, being transparent is allowing people to see you for who you really are. Having thoughts and feelings or emotions that are easily perceived or detected. This allowed people to see into your life. Jesus was a transparent individual, wasn't he? People saw right into his life what he was all about. Being vulnerable allows us to speak into people's lives. Jesus was vulnerable. Bible says uh, vulnerable means susceptible to physical or emotional harm, the willingness to allow things to be taken from us and the willingness to give things up. This allows us to speak into people's lives. It's okay to be transparent, but you know what? When it comes to the love of Christ and the love of God, here it is, friends. If you really want to feel and experience the love of God, you got to put yourself out there and you got to be willing to get hurt and then run back to the Father and say, God, your love covers me. Your love carries me. Your love holds me. Don't be afraid to give out the love of God and to love people. We always talk about how the love of God attacks. Amen? It attacks. It attacks. With love. Lovingly, it attacks. And keeps on going. Keeps on giving. That's the one thing, we, the great thing we discover about Jesus. He made himself vulnerable to the broken and the hurting, and the sinners, and he didn't really care about his reputation. He wanted to hang out with the people of low respute. Respute? How many think that's a word? Respute. Repute. Take away the S. Repute. Amen? 
Oftentimes we think of God's love as syrupy, flowery, wimpy, gushy. There's nothing syrupy, flowery, wimpy, or naive about God's love. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he didn't put any pretense on. He wanted to suffer for you. The Bible says that it was God's pleasure, the Father's pleasure, to crush his own son so that we would be free and that we would be forgiven and that we would come into this loving relationship with our Father. It was the Father's will to crush him, and it was Jesus' will to suffer so that we could have self-righteousness. No. So that we can have an intimacy with God that will last for all eternity in this relationship with, with Him. The Father loves you today. He loves you. Four things from the prodigal son story. And then we'll wrap this thing up and we'll give hugs. We'll go get some coffee. We'll talk with each other, okay? That's what we do, don't we? Number one, the Father is always looking our way. Isn't that great? This could be good, and this could be bad. Bad if you're trying to run from them. Bad if you're trying to hide from them. Bad if you're into sin that's destroying you, and you don't want him to see. You know what? Hello? He sees. Amen? He sees. The Father is always looking our way. But we sometimes think that God is uh, ready to send down a lightning bolt, right? To strike us or maybe hit us over our head like a caveman or, 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 or just cause us uh, pain and suffering and grief. Make us pay somehow for our sin and our wrongdoing. Is there any way that we could pay even now when we sin? Is there anything that we can do in ourselves to stand right before God? No. We have to look to him and we have to live. Is there any way that we could pay back? It's because of our own sense of shame and guilt for what we have done. Guilt, wrongdoing. You know what? It deserves to be felt. Because we hurt the heart of God, of a holy God. And the Spirit of God speaks to us. God is not passive about the fact that we've sinned. Look at the cost that it cost Him. The high cost of a free gift was the tragedy that took place on the cross, the innocent Lamb of God, who knew no sin, but yet in that in that moment, for the first time ever, a separation between God the Father and Himself. When He cried out, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me?" He's not passive about the fact that that we've sinned. He went to the cross and He died. Sin has to be dealt with. It has to be repented. But Jesus shows us Father God's heart towards us in the story of how the Father saw his son a great way off. There's some in here that might think that you've gone a great way off and God's lost sight of you. That's not the case. He's got like this eagle vision, man. It just zings right to where you are. A great way off. 
and ran to meet him. He didn't just stand and wait for the boy to come crawling, groveling in his sin and making him feel bad. Amen. He ran to him. And God's heart is always looking our way and reaching out to us. The father is always looking our way. Do you get that point? He's looking your way. You might uh, be in, in a life situation or circumstances where you look over your life and you say, God's not looking. God doesn't see me. Yes, he does. We have a, a brother, Patrick, who has suffered for the last four years standing up and giving praise and adoration and it puts some of us to shame. What he's gone through for the last four years in a rehab hospital, he gives praise to God. When I went to visit him on one wall, all things are possible with God. On the other wall, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I thought to myself, God, after about a year or two, I would have probably thrown those right out the window. Patrick is continuing to give him glory and to give him praise through it all. Amen? Through it all. Father's heart is always looking our way. Secondly, the Father's heart responds to repentance. How many have like a weird idea of what repentance is? Do you think like it's like, uh, okay, I have to repent. Where's the whip? You know, you have that sense where you have to pay something. You have to give something. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be punished somehow. The son comes with repentance and the father's heart responds. What is repentance? It's not penance where we have to pay to play with God. This cannot be bypassed. The father responds, not because the son is groveling. Not because the son says that he'll pay everything back, but because he's glad the son has come to recognize the problems are not his, the father's, the problems are his. Lots of times we think God is the problem. We shake our fist at God and we say, oh yeah, you're the problem. It's not, no, he's not the problem. We are the problem. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Repentance is turning from our own way to God's. It's recognizing the Lord's ways are safe, they're good, they're secure. As we align with the Lord in what he says in his word and what he says about us and we agree with him, we have a change of mind about how we felt about our sin and we say, God, you've been telling me this all along. You know what? You are right. I am wrong. That's repentance. Now come in and change me. It's recognizing Jesus Christ has paid it all. He loves us with an everlasting love, an unconditional love that we can't quite grasp the meaning of, but he loves us unconditionally. For there to come a release of what he wants to do in us, we have to be willing to say, Father God, I turn from my own ways. And I turn to you. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Don't we say that a lot? The Bible says that here that the father never loses hope. The son went again. Against the father's dreams, the father's hopes, the father's passions and desires for his son. 
and yet he still loved me. And he still gave me his peace. The first message of Father God is that he still hopes in us. Amen? There is hope for us. The Father's always looking our way. The Father's heart responds to our repentance or our turning to him. And then fourthly, the Father wants to reinstate us. Amen? He wants to re-enfranchise us. That's the word. Re-enfranchise us into his business once again. You see? The Father gave the dude a ring. It represents reinstatement to partnership with the Father. It was his return to being in business with Dad once again. Amen? We're in business with Dad. He's reinstated us. He's given us a ring to wear so that everybody knows that's my son and he's with me. Amen? That's my daughter and she's with me. The ring represents the covenant love of God. God is saying through the lips of his own son, if you'll come back to me, I will reinstate the possibilities and the potentials that I had in mind for you. I will give you the destiny and the passion and the purpose again. I will reenfranchise you into the family business. Jesus did that with the disciples, the losers that denied him and that betrayed him. And then he gave them all authority. Amen. He reinstated them. The robe over his shoulders went all the way down to the son's ankles. It was a robe of dignity. It was the father covering whatever would be the shame or nakedness or wastefulness of his past. The robe covered that and brought dignity back to the son. And what do we participate in when we accept Jesus Christ? We trade in our sin and our shame and he covers us in the robe of righteousness and we stand dignified before his presence. Amen. And he says, come into my presence. I accept you and you belong. The robe is an idea of bringing that son back to dignity again. Father God desires to restore us to full stature, to robe us with the beauty of what we were made to be, to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you glad that the Lord uses you today? The shoes in that culture represented an end to the time of weeping and mourning. To be unsandaled was to be dispossessed. But the, the father gave him a new set of sandals. Amen. That told him that your time of weeping is over. Your time of sorrow is over. And now I've got some walking shoes for you because we got a lot of walking to do in the kingdom of God. Amen. we got some business to take care of. The Bible says that blessed is the, the shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel. Amen. And now this, this son who was uh, eating food, a waste, a loser, unworthy, undignified, dispossessed, is now has a ring on his finger, has a robe over his shoulders, and has sandals on his feet. Now, what are you going to do? Let's get back to the father's business. Amen. If you're in sin today, get out of it. Receive the ring, receive the robe. Let Jesus put the sandals on you and let's get a walking. Amen. Let's walk by the spirit and not according to the flesh. Amen. Let's live by faith and not by sight. 
and the things that are going around in the world and the things that are going on in our world. The Father God, He loves you today. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. The Father never loses hope. The Father is always looking your way. The Father's heart responds to when you return to Him and repent. And the Father wants to reinstate us, reenfranchise us in the business of His kingdom. And that is to live our lives for the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ. You feel naked today? Receive the robe of righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. Big problem for a lot of Christians is they don't get this first step down realizing the love of the Father. You can't pray like Jesus until you understand the love of the Father. His purpose, His passion, His provision, His protection, and everything that He has for you. Our Father in heaven, I trust you. I hear your call that I'm dignified by the blood of Jesus. I hear your call of wanting me to be used in giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You put sandals on my feet. You robed me. And I got this ring, man. This ring that shows the covenant love of God never ends. I can't find out where this ring begins and where it ends. The covenant love of God. What I desire for you today is that if you're groveling, stop it. Okay? If you feel like you've got to pay something back to, uh, to your father, he doesn't, he doesn't, what, what you have you think he needs? No. All right? Receive today. Receive from the love of God. Feel the calling. That he wants to run after you. Hold your neck and kiss you today. Reinstate you back into the family business. That you might live your life for the glory of God. We're looking forward to this week in our spiritual formation sheets covering a lot of these verses that speak of God the Father. If you have a father that really stunk, maybe was never in your in your life, understand that God the Father is our model. He's the perfect one and he loves you today. And as we look to this, how Father God feels about you, Feel his love as he holds you and embraces you today. Our Father in heaven. The Bible says that we set our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. For we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and every spiritual blessing is given to us because heaven came down and glory filled our soul. 
there at the cross, my Savior made me whole. That's an old hymn, and it's a goodie. Amen? Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. There at the cross, my Savior made me whole. We're going to be going into communion. It's a great time to confess to the Lord whatever you have to confess to receive uh, the Father's love today. Pastor John, just come up. Everybody doing okay? Eric? This is an awesome time of celebrating what Christ has done on the cross. Amen? It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. It's a time of confession. It's a time of robing. It's a time of putting the ring on. And time of letting Christ put those sandals on. So that when we go out into a lost and dying world, we can preach the gospel and be a blessing. Amen. Praise God. All right. It's so great to be here with you all. Uh, it's interesting that uh, when Jesus wanted us to understand what his death was about, he didn't give us a theory. Right, he didn't give us a whiteboard. He didn't give us a dry erase marker. Yeah, go ahead, guys. He gave us a meal instead. <laughs> because a walking with God is about a life that you live, not a, you know, believing the correct 30 things until you die. Right. So let's, uh, just want to read from 1 Corinthians. 11, verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Let's, uh, let's pray and then you guys can distribute the elements. Lord, we just want to thank you for inviting us to your table that uh, you're more than just a guy with a beard in heaven waiting for us to mess up. Yeah. We want to thank you for that. Amen. Yeah.
is found, you are forever sealed by this love you came for us now we are yours let you rise we come alive and you Thank you, God. Continue reading. The Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body. That you came to embody the God of Israel. That you came to share our life. You joined us. You didn't berate us from afar. You joined us and changed our suffering into new life. Thank you for your broken body. Wouldn't partake with me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord, we thank you for that new covenant, for that second chance, for that new creation. We thank you for your blood. Life is messy. And the solutions to life are not just wave a magic wand and everything will be great. We thank you that you came to offer something real. Thank you for the blood you shed. For the covenant that it means for us. Lord, I partake. I want to encourage you today. Our Father is eager for new creation. 
covenant. <laughs> you want to finish? Oh, right. right? He's eager for fellowship with us, for new covenant. He's invited us to our table. Our walk with God is a walk with God. It's not a philosophy. It's new life. It's new creation. So let's walk in new life as we move out today. Before we leave, how many are new creations here? Your life is trained, changed, changed, transformed by the power of God. Amen? Let's walk in, our, in the newness of life that Jesus Christ has given us. Amen? And uh, let's get some coffee. Let's hug each other. All right? Let's have fellowship. Amen? And let's love on each other, all right? Because we are the family of God. Amen? Have a great week. Get to a life group. And before you leave, I forgot one thing. Stay put right here. Bill Sullivan. I forgot you. I didn't forget you because I just remembered. Come here. Just going along with what Pastor Dan's saying. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole strength. But we love him because he first loved us. And we all need to receive that love. And that perfect love casts out all fear. So Wednesday nights, starting at 7 o'clock, we're going to be meeting here and praying. We all need prayer. We all know somebody who needs prayer. And I have no idea how to run it. <laughs> other than put it in his hands and watch him show up and expect him to touch people. Amen. So if you need prayer, if you if you've got if you need a change in your heart, just like what Pastor Dan was saying, if there's something in you that's just not right, come here. Get built up. We're we're family. We're family. And we're gonna love on you and you're gonna get built up. If you know somebody, come in on their behalf. Or if you know other people who need prayer, Bring them here. God's going to show up. God's going to show up because he loves us. And, and there's a heart here to reach him and, and, and see, see our lives change. Thank you for not forgetting. Okay. Amen. Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Amen. All right. Let's get out of here. No, have some coffee first. All right.